0: Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains, powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast.
1: And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. So you know what that means. I've got Alexis Cubitt, our high school sports writer, with us to chat a little bit of high school football and some volleyball. But before that, how's it going, Alexis? going pretty good. Carlos, how about you? So far, so good. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know next week once uh, high school football starts and everything kind of really gets into, into motion. But of course, I know everyone's talking about high school football because of the preseason tab that we pushed out on August the 18th. But there's another sport that should be getting some shine, and that's being volleyball. I know last week, uh, we were looking at some of the performances of some of our teams from the Lone Star Varsity coverage area. And one that really kind of stood out to me was Friendship winning the Gold Bracket Tournament at the Need mm-hmm. of o- Need of Annoy Tournament, pardon me. Randy Crew and company really seem to be uh, hitting on all cylinders right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, 13-5 and five and just kind of going in there with a really strong performance. It seemed like they just kind of were connecting really well.
1: Absolutely. And then, of course, just talking about some of the players that did pretty well. Gracie Harris and 13 digs and the win over Central, who they did have to beat, who, of course, San Angelo Central hosting the Need of Annoy tournament, which brings together uh, some big school, small schools, uh, one of those being Bront. Uh, I know everyone wondering, well, why is Friendship playing a 1A team? They're a really good 1A team from the Contra Valley area, so certainly getting some good experience in that sense. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, Gracie Harrison, who had 13 digs, was named the MVP of the tournament. Aliana Mayfield and Caden. Gene Baca were named to the all-tournament team, while Devin Nairn was named their outstanding hitter. So certainly Friendship playing at a good level. But Monterey also as well got – Four wins, including a 25-16, 25-18 win over Princeton to claim the gold championship of the Haltom High Tournament. Certainly, uh, you've got uh, Kelly Lozada, pardon me, and company really doing pretty well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did a, a capsule on them. I was just talking about kind of their performance and how, you know, this year they have a lot of seniors coming in. They've been together since eighth grade. You know, so this is the year for them to be able to have a lot of success. Um, obviously, being, was I think, thirteen and six, I believe, is or thirteen and three, I believe.
1: It, so it's close case. to that, yeah. Th- thirteen uh, double-digit wins, which is certainly uh, one of their best starts to the uh, season, at least according to Mike Meeks, from what I remember. And certainly, uh, some good times for the Lady Plainsman. Had some really good teams the last couple years, but Maddie Stevens really stepping up. I know uh, Nadia Morales and uh, Serena Garcia. Uh, Morales had uh, 22 kills. Garcia had about 20 kills in the win, uh, in, in, I believe combined in the four wins. So, certainly some good play there for the Lady Plainsmen. But anyone else that's really kind of standing out to you? I know Coronado's always a team that really kind of stands out. Shallow Water's a team that stands out. Levitt Cooper's a team that stands out. A- anyone that really kind of stood out to you?
2: Um, just covering them in the Shallow Water Tournament, um, leveling kind of, I feel like they're kind of one of those spark teams. You know what I mean? where you know right now it's kind of just coming along but eventually i think that they'll have a good team by the end of the season for sure
1: absolutely the old loboets uh, closed out their uh, time in the high, or with a win over Highland park at the river road tournament uh, 25-12 and 35 or 32 to 30 pardon me a huge uh, win for them you don't necessarily go that high in in a obviously a doubles game there in that second set so Cassie Spears really someone that has uh, kind of stepped up and really Michaela Watkins is someone else that's yeah. a player to kind of watch as well so certainly with the volleyball teams kind of stepping in you're obviously covering Monterey at Snyder or uh pardon me Snyder at Monterey that's a dual uh match where you got Odessa High playing at about 5 45 before that you got Snyder Monterey playing at 7 p.m at the box we're recording this on Tuesday so we won't know the results uh, when this does publish but You've got that going, and then, of course, the real big tournament that we're looking forward to is that friendship tournament in Wolforth.
2: Yeah, definitely. You'll we'll have, uh, I believe, Coronado will be there. Plainview will be there. I think it'll be really good, especially considering how Friendship is doing right now. You know, just to be have that comfort of being at home, and um, like you mentioned, we're recording this on Tuesday, so they'll play Canyon uh, tonight, and I think that'll be a good kind of test to see, you know, just how they're, a- they're able to use that momentum coming in from that weekend tournament.
1: Absolutely, 13-5, and and then as we mentioned before, Monterey uh, coming in with 11 straight wins as well for volleyball, but moving on from volleyball to now a sport that is played on sometimes artificial turf, sometimes it's uh, regular grass football. I know we talked a little bit about it. We mentioned friendship uh, last week in terms of what they've got with Donovan Smith and some of the other things. I guess just for you, kind of looking at the... Initial week slate of week one games. I guess what really stands out to you in terms of some of the things that we're going to see going into this high school season.
2: Yeah, definitely. But first, I want to say Monterey is fourteen and three. Got gotcha, you, like fourteen and three. 14 there you go. Three,
1: so.
2: Yeah, um, the first week. I mean, it's obviously going to be really exciting. You have a lot of, of good matchups. I think the one that everybody's going to be talking about, of course, is Estacado and Coronado. Yep. Um, then you also have, you know, Monterey going to Odessa. You have Plainview playing Glavelin last year. Lovelin was able to get that win, so uh, I think you'll be able to to get a good test of, you know, where everybody's at coming into the season and just kind of, you know, get those nerves out and see how, you know, a lot of people are competing for those positions as far as, you know, wherever they may play, so it's definitely going to be, I think, a good auditioning week to kind of get an idea of, you know, who's going to be the front runners right coming right out of the gate.
1: I certainly think that's a really good way to put it is auditioning because at least for me, week one is a a week where there can be upsets because as you mentioned, there's going to be teams that have not played for, you know, so many months they've been just kind of doing off-season workouts. Yes, right. you have seven-on-seven seven to kind of, I guess, keep your chemistry going, whatever you want to use with that. But, I mean, the the way I see it, most teams don't really run their offenses. some do during seven-on-seven. Seven. I think this is the time that you're going to see what you've got with most of those teams. And, I mean, for every coach I've spoken to, they always talk about the week one to week two improvements. Mm-hmm. And that's where you really see what your team has is when, when you see what you get in the week two results, because you have all that game film finally to look at right. from your kids that are playing against opponents. And I think that's going to be the big one. And you really mentioned it. I think friendship uh, hosting Amarillo high, that's going to be something mm-hmm. for the old yeah. tigers just to kind of see what they've got. as we mentioned before, they struggled a little bit. It looks like they're kind of getting that positive momentum under Jay Northcutt and company with Donovan Smith. Uh, at the quarterback position, you got Drew Hoka and kind of everyone there. Daniel Garland. I mean, I can go on and on with all the with all the players that they've got there. You talk about Coronado Estacado. That's going to be the Friday night game. Oh, yes, yeah. th- there oh, is yeah. a Lubbock a Lubbock High a Seminole game mm-hmm. at uh, Plains Capital Park on Thursday. Yeah. That's just because of uh, the, the amount of games that you have with all the LISD teams. But Friday night football is probably going to be Coronado Estacado. That's going to be the one that everyone's going to be at because you want to see can this 4A squad that's not as deep as a 5A Coronado, can they somehow kind of turn turn the tide with uh, the depth and see if they can kind of, kind of really squeeze out all they can out of these kids as they did last year. I mean, it was a defensive battle up until that last couple – Last couple quarters, and unfortunately the Matadors were unable to get that going, but then mm-hmm. it did also make sure that it showed how good both teams were because they both made deep runs. Coronado in their in their own right with Seth Parr, Seth Sawyer-Robertson at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. really good. Estacado, Jalen Dobbins, he's at least uh, hoping to be that starting quarterback. I know Joe Cooley, who we talked to last week, mentioned he's in a quarterback battle trying to make him better, but you've got a good running game with Jeremiah Dobbins. You've got a real good defense with Cedric Colbert, Papa Blewett, and all all those guys. That's going to be interesting. But at least for me, going into that 2A ranks, I think uh, shallow water at Idaloo, I think that's going to be yeah, one that's really going to – That'll
2: be a good
1: one. Yeah, I know a couple years ago, and the only reason I remember was because Fox Sports Southwest came in for the Texas football days. I was kicked out of the press box, but it was a really good game that everyone thought Idaloo was going to – really kind of ground and pound, but shallow Water stepped up, scored, I want to say the first two or three scores, and then kind of routed Idaloo in, in a year where Idaloo had a down year. But I think after last year, they kind of got back to what got them good, which is play good defense and run the football. And I think that's going to be uh, kind of interesting to see that is going to have to really kind of figure out what they are this year. They, right. they have a new starting quarterback with uh, Cutter Sparks going uh, to graduation uh, you've got a new wide receiver Core Creed Katara who is a cornerback last year is going to play a little bit of wide receiver we'll see what goes on there but Idaloo certainly uh, has has what they've got going and it'll be interesting to see how Coach uh, Brian Wood goes up against Jeff Lofton over there in, uh, in uh, Idaloo pardon me and then just going to Class 1A I think uh, it'll be interesting at least from my perspective to see how Jaden's doing mm-hmm. everyone's going to talk about Borden County I know that's going to be the first thing everyone talks about but I think Jaden, uh, with the way that they're playing, they're not deep, but most six men aren't deep like Borden County. I think if they're able to keep healthy, I think they can make a special run as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm just kind of going back to that uh, idaloo water game. I was mm-hmm. able to kind of see Idaloo a little bit uh, over the weekend when they scrimmaged against Snyder. And, you know, obviously in a the scrimmage, that kind of started out a little slow, but I think overall they the defense really came along. Um, they have – I believe their quarterback is – returning this season Mm -hmm. so they have that going for them and just kind of like we mentioned for shallow water this will definitely be uh that auditioning game because there are so many new pieces and kind of like you mentioned that those six mans coming along and just kind of seeing if they can have that it's obviously going to be a special year for borden county because they'll be going for district title number 12 and you know trying to get back to state even though they missed it by was that. A game or two. game or two. Yeah, so I think that will definitely be in the back of their minds. I mean, they lose, you know, Zane Allen, but they get back. You know, I think we talked about them last week. Mm-hmm. The,
1: the, uh, you will get Cam Yarbrough. Edwards and Will yeah. Yarbrough. Mm-hmm.
2: And we have Trey Edwards there. So, uh, yeah, definitely look forward to some to some good six-man football.
1: Yeah, Trey Rich and company will certainly uh, be looking to kind of bounce back after last year. And they do have the talent. They have the numbers. And, Kind of speaking uh, to that, I totally forgot off the top, uh, we're going to have a conversation in the second part of this podcast with Matt Stepp of uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He's their insider. We go into a deep dive of all of our classifications. So that's why we're not really talking much. We're talking in generalities here for football just because it's kind of nice to get a different perspective, a statewide perspective, at least from Matt Stepp and all those guys at DCTF who do a real good job of covering All the states and uh, he'll give you some of his sleepers, some some of the teams that you you will expect to do well or maybe some teams that maybe won't do well that will kind of surprise you, especially one of the sleepers that he mentioned. So don't forget to listen to that second part of uh, the podcast with the interview with Matt Step. Uh, On that note, uh, I don't know if you got anything else, Alexis. I know really it's going to go into deep dives once we start next week. It's going to go into the previews of the games you're covering, and then after that we're going to really just kind of review uh, the week that happened and then kind of everything else that kind of goes on.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny because you hear you know coaches talk about them getting antsy, and I feel like we're getting antsy too. We've done so many previews. Yes. Like, you know, okay, Tired of writing. stories. Right. It's like, okay, you know, this guy's supposed to be good, but I'm ready to kind of see who's going to be Correct. good. Correct who's going to separate themselves from the pack because, I mean, it's kind of like, I can't remember who said it, but they were talking about how, you know, a lot of the preseason ratings, or rankings rather, are, you know, more of a, a recognition of last year's teams. Yeah. You know, so now I'm sort of ready to see, um, you know, who does what and how everything kind of pans out. So, yes, next Thursday cannot come soon enough
1: for sure. So just on that note, for all those people that like to kind of set their calendars or do whatever, Alexis will be covering Coronado at Estacado. We also got someone at the uh, Seminole-Lubbock High game uh, for Lowry Field. Don Williams will probably come out of high school football retirement to cover uh, a game at Lubbock Cooper. That one should be interesting. We'll also be at Amarillo at Friendship and Shallow Water at Idalou. So all those games will be covered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. You can follow us at Lone Star Varsity to get all that information. I guess from your perspective, uh, Alexis, I know we talked a little bit about volleyball, I guess. What can you kind of say just kind of going forward? What we're going to kind of see from some of these teams? I know a lot of them are kind of set to make deep runs, but do you kind of feel like there's something going, or at least something special with Monterey and friendship?
2: I do. I really do. I'm looking for really great years uh, from both of them. Just this is my first year, obviously covering them, just kind of seeing how they've been doing. You know, it's still early in the season, but I mean, I think any kind of positive progress is good progress as far as those teams go. Um, I think that they all have the talent there, and you know, I'm just poised to to make some good postseason runs and make some some more history at
1: their schools. Sounds good. Well, uh, anything else you wanted to add? Because if not, I'm ready to kind of get this done. Because as you said, we're tired of writing, tired of talking. I, I think it's just, and I'm pretty sure all the kids are just ready to kind of get get their stuff strapped in and really kind of get things going.
2: Yeah, for sure. One more note: that Seminole game will actually be Ty Palmers first. As a head coach. There so
1: you go, that's true. forgot about that.
2: Cool little, a little piece for them. They obviously had a good year last year and um, just kind of coming in there after replacing a legendary coach. Yep. So, yeah. Good luck to, to Ty and to Coach Steven there at Lubbock High as well.
1: Should be some fun stuff going into next week. And like I said, once we do these, uh, hopefully we'll get in a little bit of a roll. But uh, hoping to do two, but more than likely it'll just be one where we kind of preview uh, going into the week what's going to happen. And then obviously we'll review the week that happened. But appreciate y'all listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva for Alexis Cubit. This has been another edition of the. Lubbock Avalanche Journal bringing you another high school podcast. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity podcast. I'm Carlos Silva of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal slash LoneStarVarsity.com. So you know that what that means. It means we have a guest on the phone, and uh, today it is at Dave Campbell's football magazine or Texas football magazine, pardon me, insider Matt step how are you doing, Matt? Carlos, how's it going, man? Finding you, dude. Uh, just making sure you got some time. I know you've been busy, kind of doing all the insider stuff. I saw some of your uh, Class Six A stuff going out today as we record this on a Tuesday. So, so obviously you are nerdy now. Did you like to joke with uh, Tepper on your old podcast?
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is a fun time of year. Um, get to you know. We'll put out the magazine earlier earlier in the summer and then we kind of get a little lull you know we have a little seven on seven but you know it's not doesn't replace real football so now with uh the season you know less than 10 days away yeah. and and all the all the local you know i love to listen to all the local coverage from yeah. around the state and kind of listen to all the teams and and you guys you and alexis do a great job in your podcast and uh always it's a, it's a it's a weekly staple for me.
1: I appreciate it, man. So uh, j- just kind of alluding to the Class 6A stuff that you did, obviously there's a lot of writing about what teams can be and what they can be. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the Lone Star Varsity uh, teams, but I guess just overall, just uh, some of your thoughts just kind of going into this high school football season, I guess what can fans kind of expect from uh, Dave Campbell's and some of the other things here?
0: You know, so you, you can expect uh, us to fan out across the state and, and- and you try to cover you know texas is a big state so we try to cover as much as we can and we, we have our daily daily show at noon every day monday through friday to talk about kind of the happenings in the state and and you know th- this season i expect uh, i expect it to be a great I, mean, I don't know if we can ever top what happened last year with duncanville yeah. and north shore mm-hmm. um but i i expect uh, the football season to be exciting as well and i, and I think as, as evidenced by our secondary cover in dave campbell's texas football uh we think duncanville and north shore uh, have a great chance to uh, meet once again at AT and Stadium. Maybe maybe uh, settle things once and for all.
1: No, yeah, and they certainly have a, a nice little rivalry there. I know that was kind of the DFW to the Houston rivalry here in uh, the Lubbock part of the uh, state or West Texas, the South Plains, however you want to kind of uh, mention that. But we, we've got the friendship tigers i know a, a team that has kind of been on the downtrend uh, the last couple of years but it seems like jay northcutt has got things going they've got a real good quarterback in donovan smith who transferred in because of his dad deandre smith uh who's now a uh, running backs coach with the texas tech football team i guess what, what have you heard from jay northcutt and what can i guess fans expect uh at least uh, of the friendship tigers this year
0: i, I expect friendship to be an extremely potent offensive team i, I think what's going to be key for them is, is their defense and how their defense progresses. I, I think um, in District 26 a um, you know, obviously Tascosa and Midland Lee, to me on paper, are the two favorites. And I think Permian, despite losing uh, a great senior class, probably still gets the nod for third. But I think that fourth-place spot is is certainly up for grabs. And I, and I think there's a great chance uh, that Friendship nabs that fourth spot. If they can get their defense to improve and, and make some strides, I definitely think Midland and, and Odessa High – are uh, both winnable games. And I, I think there's a, uh, a pretty decent shot the Tigers uh, make a return to the playoffs this year.
1: So, I guess from your perspective, I know everyone's going to kind of make their own kind of thoughts, but I guess just in terms of the way that Jay Northcutt is kind of building this program, I know you spoke to him a couple years ago, that winless season. I spoke to some of the players. Obviously, none of them were happy about it. They got. Uh, a little bit of of a of an uptrend last year. I guess what what are some of the things you're kind of looking for to kind of see that this thing is kind of going in the right direction? At least for me, it was just kind of seeing the offensive numbers be there. It was just a matter of maybe turnovers kind of being something that, that Jay Northcutt was talking about that really hurt him last year.
0: Yeah, turnovers for sure have have really plagued them uh, the last couple of years. And then again, the defense, uh, being able to get stops consistently and get, get offenses off the field and, and playing especially in 2-6-A, in where there's a lot of teams who are very physical and like to line up and just run right at you, um, plays into kind of the things that Friendship hasn't been good at the past couple of years. So I think if they can improve um, their defensive line play and, and just their overall level of physicality, they've got the playmakers and the, and the scheme on offense to put points up. But you look at, at the top three teams in the district, in Tascosa, Lee, and Permian, they're yeah. all similar style. They're very physical up front, and they kind of like to play smash mouth football and punch you in the mouth, and, and that's where friendship hasn't hasn't really fared as well. In so I think if they can turn that mentality around, and I think they 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 got things going, pointed in the right direction last yeah. year, but I still think they're looking for that real signature kind of win to kind of show that they're back on the scene. Um, and I think they have some chances to get that done this year. And I think if we see that maybe in non district where they get that one win over a, a good team. That, that's a playoff caliber team, then I think you can kind of see the, the arrow pointing in, the, in the, right, the right direction. I think they just kind of need that, that signature moment right now.
1: Gotcha. You're listening to the Lone Star Varsity podcast brought to you by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We've got Matt Stepp, uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football insider, to chat a little bit about our Lone Star Varsity coverage teams. I know you alluded to it in terms of that signature win, but at least for me, when I'm kind of looking at schedule, September 13th seems to be very significant for Friendship, and it's kind of a, a little bit of a transition going into the Class 5A ranks when Friendship host Lubbock Cooper. Do you kind of feel like that's something that could really kind of turn things for Friendship, or could it be something where everyone's going to kind of learn what Lubbock Cooper is with their first-year head coach and Chip Darden.
0: You know, I, I think it's a little bit of both, actually. You, yeah. When you, look at, when you look at the schedule, friendship, you know, week one against Amarillo High, that's a chance for them to get a, a big win. I think they'll be favored against Hershey, but I, I think that Lubbock Cooper game is one uh, in week three that that if they can win that one. because I, I mean, I think Lubbock Cooper is a, is a regional, you know, just like last year, they're a team that should – uh, contend for a regional title in 5A uh, Division II. So, uh, you know, right off the bat, two out of the first three games, um, they've got a chance to really make some noise and, and kind of get things turned around. And I, I think very highly of Lubbock Cooper. You know, I don't expect to see much of a change from Max Catwinkle to Chip Darden,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: from just what Cooper looks like as a, on the whole, you know, from a, from an outsider's perspective. Obviously, uh, Coach Darden's going to put his own spin on things, but I, I think for the most part, you're going to see a very similar style of play uh, from from the Cooper Pirates. But, you know, I think Friendship has a chance to, to compete in that game, and they've got numbers on Cooper, and, and they should. Um, it's kind of I think it could eventually turn into a district rivalry again with way, the way Cooper's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a good chance for, for Friendship to get on the scene. But I, I think that Amarillo High game in week one is a, a winnable game for them as well. Gotcha. And I guess
1: just uh, fr- from your perspective, how much of a statewide or even national – I guess kind of noise or spotlight is being put on Lubbock Cooper because of Kobe McKenzie and what he's been in terms of just the, the number one prospect in that 2023 class and just what he kind of brings to brings to the field going into his sophomore year.
0: I mean, obviously they're going to, he's going to bring some, some major attention to that program Um, from a recruiting standpoint, Isaiah Johnson at running back. um, They got a great one, two punch uh, with this talented playmakers um, for the pirates. I, I think, you know, I think for to get that national buzz, they're going to have to, you know, do something like Pete Alito, Um, to be perfectly honest, from a team perspective. Yeah. But uh, McKenzie, I think, is going to bring that national notoriety just from the recruiting writers, you know, from the different websites uh, coming out and, and wanting to see uh, the Pirates play. And that, you know, that that's good for any program because those guys may spot some other guys that normally would fly under the radar that can all of a sudden get some uh, recruiting ink as well. So nothing wrong with having that. I think, uh, I think from a team perspective though, I think they're going to have to do something really big um, like beating Alito because region one and five, a division two, let's be frank. It's not great. Um, Yeah. It's probably, you know, the the, you know, the district three, five, a division, excuse me, division, division two and three, five, a dominates the region and we'll probably see uh, a Cooper rider regional final match again. Um, So I think, there's not going to be much ink made about that unless they can get to the semifinals and knock off a team like Alito.
1: Yeah. And not only that, but it'd be interesting because then that'd be another time that those two district guys uh, would kind of play each other, Lubbock Cooper and uh, Wichita Falls rider. But I guess just kind of going to division one Lubbock high, Coronado Monterey teams, we cover guess uh, how, how good of a, uh, I guess district race do you think this is going to be, especially with Paladero, Duro, Caprock, Amarillo high, as you just kind of alluded to an Abilene Cooper in the mix there.
0: I think it's the Great District. This is this is a district that was last year was really evenly matched. I think we had a three-way tie for the district championship yep. last year, um, and I think we could see something very similar. I mean, between you know Monterey, Coronado, uh, Abilene, Cooper, and Amarillo, High, um, and even Caprock last year really kind of burst on the scene. There's five teams right there. I mean, somebody that's that's a pretty good team is going to potentially miss out on the playoffs. And you throw in Paladuro, who I think will be improved as well. Um, it's, it's a deep district, you know, unfortunately for Lubbock high, you know, the deck is stacked against them and it's yeah. really tough for to compete. But, you know, you look at Lubbock Monterey and Lubbock Coronado, I think both, both those teams are are poised to, to really make a lot of noise. Um, I know Monterey's kind of, you know, Coronado has been stealing all the ink in town for the past mm-hmm. couple of years. And, you yeah. know, Monterey, they're probably ready to, ready to turn the tables and they've got the kind of team that can do it. Wayne Hutchinson's a heck of a coach. Monterey on paper looks great I've seen some video of them and they've got some great looking kids um, I think that district's going to be a ton of fun to watch and I think you know you look at Coronado and Monterey they're both teams that I think um, are third round type playoff teams the big question in 5A Division one in region one is can anyone you know stop the train that's been Denton Ryan who's just dominated the region the past few years?
1: So just with the type of offenses and I know as you kinda of mentioned, uh Coronado's gonna get it synced, but Monterey with Corey on Bailey, can you just speak to the type of uh athlete he is and what he can bring to Monterey, especially after kind of some of the bumps and bruises that they kinda of took from the schedule last year and now with some of that motivation going into this year? He's
0: the kind of guy who can take a game over. I mean, you know, he's the kind of guy who can <clears throat> who can put Monterey on his back and maybe lead him lead them past teams that maybe uh Top to bottom they're not quite as good as mm-hmm. um, He's a really dynamic uh, player Kind of a generational type player For, for Monterey kind of guy it that, that only comes Through the halls every 10 years Or so um, you know kind of Like uh, Blair Conright was for Coronado Last year you know yeah. so um, I think he's the kind of you know I saw Blair in that Azel game in the second round of the Playoffs kind of put Coronado on his Back and mm-hmm. made some great plays to help him uh, Get past that win so I think Corian Bailey's the kind of the same way with uh, Monterey um, he's with, with as long as he's healthy and 100 percent uh the plainsmen are, are, are a dangerous team that that can't be taken lightly by anybody including denton ryan
1: and i would certainly think sawyer robertson i'd be remiss to kind of not mention his name i know he's a division one prospect seth parr has been talking absolutely him, talking some big uh talking some big words about him as well so I just wanted to make sure to mention his name or seth parr would get on me if i didn't so <laughs> oh no yeah he's, yeah
0: he's special and he's he's only going to get better these next two years and, and in that system, and with what Coronado does offensively, he's he's got a chance to rewrite a lot of record books.
1: Speaking of getting better, we're going into Class Four A, being Division Two and Division One. Just a, an overall thought: Leveland and Estacado. I just feel like basically the the time that they play in district, that's going to be for the district title. I guess why am I wrong?
0: I I don't think you're wrong at all. I think yeah. those two teams are head and shoulders uh, above the pack, and, and I think you know, especially Estacado, they. They probably feel like last year they kind of let let that Glenrose game slip away and talk mm-hmm. to Joe at coaching school. You know, I think they, they feel like this is a team that that has the pieces to uh, compete for a regional title this year. Uh, I think the big key for Estacado, they've got the running game, they've got the defense. Um, I think they need to develop a little bit better of a passing game, especially mm-hmm. to win those playoff games. I think they have to yeah. get a you know find a way to keep defenses honest with throwing the ball, and I think they're gonna have to be clean on special teams. Um, you know, in the playoffs, the margins get so thin that if you know mistakes in, in the kicking game and, and lack of execution in the kicking game can, can be key. So I think those are two things that Estacado is going to have, you know, try to have to improve on uh, if they want to be able to win the region. They, they kind of took a step last year, getting to the third round, and now I think they kind of want to get to that next step and, and get to the fourth or fifth round. Once again, you're
1: listening to the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, brought to you by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We're talking with Matt Step the At Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, who knows basically everything about the state, but here he's talking with us about our Lone Star Varsity coverage area. So we'll go from 4A to 3A. I know this is a, a district that I seem to really just like just because of all the teams that are kind of in there. But District 2, 3A, Division 2 with Abernathy, Cahoma, Colorado City, Idaloo, Roosevelt, Stanton. It seems like Abernathy is kind of that team that usually does get the benefit of the doubt because of how good they've been the last
0: couple years, but Idaloo is on the rise as well, aren't they? Absolutely, you know, and I think those two are going to be competing for the district title. Colorado City was kind of in the mix the past couple years. I think the Wolves are going to be a little bit down this year. They lost a real good senior class, and and I think this is going to come down to Abernathy and Idaloo. Um, you got to give the edge to Abernathy. They've got that transcendent player and Bryson Daly at that yes. level. Um, I mean, gosh, he's he's like forty seven now. He seems like he's been there forever. Yeah, and and, and, and he's, he's been not, doing it. <laughs> to, yeah, and just been just been putting up huge numbers and, and and doing great things. And I think he's much like the Bailey kid at Monterey. He's the kind of kid that could potentially take Abernathy and kind of will him uh, to to new heights. And, and even though you know you've got Canadian kind of looming. Uh, In region one, I think with with Daly and and, and a really strong uh, defense for Abernathy, I think they're going to be a dangerous out um, come playoff time. They're going to be a a thorn inside of the teams in the panhandle that kind of dominated that dominated the region last year. Kind of
1: moving and shifting to Division One and 3A, there's another district that I really like where there's a lot of teams that we cover that kind of battle against each other. Once District 2, 3A, Division One starts, Littlefield, Shallow Water and Slayton. Water's kind of gotten all the pub and the shine just because of the program and what they are. But I guess tell me why the Slayton Tigers can be that next team that really kind of takes the next step.
0: If they're going to take the next step, it's because of their speed. They've got they've got something that no one else in the district really has, and that's that, that speed in bunches. Yeah. Um. If they can kind of find a way to improve up front and kind of have a stalemate, um, in the trenches with some of the uh, better teams in that district, they've got enough uh s- speed and talent at the skill positions to to really be a, a, a dangerous dangerous ball club. Um. That's been the thing for them. You know, last year in the playoffs, and you know they they ran up against teammate Brock, which just yeah. so much more physical than them that's where they've struggled. And that's where shallow water I think has the big edge on slate is the, even though that the Mustangs are going to be young this year, Brian Woods, a heck of a coach and has done a wonderful job. And I I think that's where they have the big edge, but if Slayton's going to going to be dangerous, it's because of the speed the skill positions.
1: And then kind of going to shallow water, as you kind of alluded to, yes, they're going to be young, but uh, I guess why, why are they going to continue to be what shallow water is? Is it because of Brian Wood? Or is it because of some of the guys that are just in that program and kind of entrenched like a Creed Katara
0: I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I think they're definitely going to be motivated because I think they felt like they feel like that brought game, uh, that they, they let one slip away last year. And I would tend to agree. I, I think if you talk to folks that were at that game a lot, you know, you walk away and thinking, you know, shallow water probably should have won the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be some motivation for them as well. Even though they've got a, an experience, they're still. That program is in place, and Brian Wood, um, you know, his resume speaks for itself, the things that he did at Canyon Randall mm-hmm. and the the job that he's done in his short time at Shallow Water. Um, I wouldn't bet against him for sure. Well,
1: I know a lot of the kids that I've spoken to have mentioned uh, that they, they don't want to circle a game, but they are certainly waiting to see if they can play Brock again. So just a, a little bit of a teaser for those that are kind of watching out as to how the Shallow Water Mustangs are doing. Going from 3A to 2A, again, it, it just seems like every time I talk about some districts, it's – I know you guys talk about your districts of doom and kind of all those things, but I think pound for pound, 2A or 2-2A, pardon me, Division One is probably one of the toughest districts to kind of get through. And I think New Deal kind of showed it with their really breakthrough season going into the state uh, final last year. And then, of course, you got Post, Sundown, Olton, Hale Center, and Floyd Data also in the mix there. I guess in terms of what you kind of get from there, what, what did New Deal learn from kind of just
0: playing so many good teams
1: throughout the year?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing is even though they're losing, uh, you know, a couple of big-time playmakers of Chet Whitfield and yeah. DJ Blaylock, playing and practicing those extra six weeks is, is vital towards in- integrating younger players into the system. And those guys got all that extra practice time and got to get better and better. You know, and th- and that confidence that they built uh, from that long playoff run will definitely uh, serve them well uh, heading into 2019. And even though they, they did graduate some big names, they've still got enough back or I, I think they're, the, they're still the favorite in the district. Um, the real matchup I'm interested in seeing is how that sundown post matchup in to maybe for second place in the district shakes out because talking to a lot of coaches at coaching school that are in that part of the state in, in that classification, a lot of folks are very, very high on the post antelopes and think mm-hmm. they're a real kind of a sleeper team that could uh, break through and be real dangerous. And They're the kind of team that might finish second in district, but come playoff time, if they get hot, they're, they're a team that could contend uh, to win the region. They're, they're that good, and, and I think a lot of folks think that highly of them.
1: Well, it's funny because I was talking with Michael Pittman a couple weeks ago for our uh, high school football tab, and one thing he said that they have is speed, and they're tough, and they're going to play good defense, and they're going to run the ball, which is really what the Antelopes have been when they are good. They. They play you tough on defense, they kind of smack you in the mouth, and then they run the clock out They kind of milk it out with their offense. And I think that's what's going to be huge for post. And I'm kind of glad you brought that up in terms of post. I guess, are there any other kind of sleeper teams you've seen, either 6A through 2A, before we kind of have a little bit of thoughts on on the
0: 1As and maybe the taps from here? You know, I think think friendship would be considered a bit of a sleeper in the area just because of of the lack of success the last couple of years. Yeah. I think people are, are going to kind of overlook them. But I, like I said, I think they're a team that could uh, finish fourth. And, and, you know, who knows? They catch Permian on a good day and, and they're playing better than they think. They could, they could overtake Permian and get that third playoff spot. So um, I think you definitely have to think of, of a friendship as, as probably one of the bigger sleepers in the area. You know, to me in, in the South Plains and Lubbock area, there's not a ton of sleepers. I think there's a lot of just known quantities. Yeah. I guess if I had to pick another sleeper, I'd probably go with, with Denver City just because of the experience they have back. Um, but the Mustangs, they're in a tough region, and that, that's kind of the biggest issue with them. Obviously, a small district, they're they're going to make the playoffs for mm-hmm. sure. It's just that they, they want to get as high of a seat as possible because um, just th- those matchups early in the playoffs, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, Wall and Brock and, yeah people like that in in your region, it's really tough to uh, make any kind of deep playoff push. But I think Post is the one that I think is the big team that's kind of off the radar that no one's talking about that really could potentially win the region if things break right.
1: Well, that's kind of interesting for the old Post Antelopes and Michael Pittman and company. I guess just uh, final thoughts from you, Matt. Again, I appreciate the time. We're at the 20-minute mark. I kind of told you to be around there, but I apologize. But obviously, you love no, talking football. <laughs> Anything
0: you I can talk football, it's good.
1: Yeah. So I guess just from you, in terms of the 1As and maybe the taps, is there anyone that's kind of stood out to you? I know Trinity Christian lost a, a lot of talent. Lubbock Christian seems to... Bring bring back some talent uh, with with what they have, and then kind of one A if if you kind of know of anyone or maybe any sleepers or just s- someone to kind of look out for.
0: I mean the one you know the one A level. I mean it's it starts and ends to me with Borden County and just yeah the things that the the program they've built over time and just the you know what always what always has always impressed me when I've seen them at the state cha- and I'm not a huge follower of six man football but yeah. when I've seen them at the state championships just the. The, the numbers they have i mean I, I, it seems like every boy in the school plays football and mm-hmm. um, they, they always have a, a tough team and a lot of depth for the for the six man game and it 's always uh, something that you know you keep an eye on and, you're, and, you're, and it's really impressive i mean they they 've probably got you know eleven man numbers uh, in their program overall when you have those kind of numbers and depth um, consistently it's it 's going to result in good things. important County also has one of the best run throughs in the state of Texas oh absolutely, the old coyote. And the, the color scheme, the light blue and oh, red. Yeah. I, mean, I know Monterey has that same color scheme. That's, that's, yeah. A, yeah, that's, that's an awesome color scheme. So,
1: Well, I guess you, just they to, to kind of give you cool. the old heads up, uh, I'll, I'll let you know, Jayton's probably a nice little sleeper team I would tell you to kind of watch out for. <laughs> Josh Stantelan and sure company. Was
0: the, and yeah, I wasn't sure they were in your, they were in your coverage area.
1: Uh, I mean, they, they, they are. They're, they're a little friend, but but, but we do cover Josh Stantelan and Ryan Blacker and all them over there. I mean, I, they're, they, they're, they're certainly a team that has that uh, – has that uh, program prestige. It's just been a while since they've had, and I think Josh Stanline and company are going to get there. And the only reason I mentioned that was because Trey Ritchie, former Jaten uh, football player, kind of mentioned he's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of starting to, to, to see the uptick. It's just can, can they kind of get through all the, the deaf issues that, that, of course, you kind of see at that six-man level, as you kind of alluded to. If you have 11-man numbers, that helps you out in terms of practices, the guys you can practice and all that. Jayton. not not so much there, but, but they're certainly going to be – a uh, a team to handle because of all the talent they have, kind of coming back.
0: Absolutely, the Jaybirds are a team that I believe we may have ranked num- number one. Correct. Uh, in in our magazine, um, look, yeah, in Division Two, they're they're our number one team. So, I didn't. I just. I, honestly, I didn't know they were in your coverage area. So, yeah, for sure, those guys are a team to keep an eye on. We've, we've got the number one in the magazine, and and. I know they always host a big six-man classic early in the year. Yep. and I think mm-hmm. they always have some great matchups, and they'll be, those are great litmus tests for those six-man teams early in the season.
1: Awesome, man! Uh, anything you kind of wanted to mention about taps in the area, or, or any or any other uh, teams you kind of kind of have your eye on from from the Lubbock area or the South Plains, so to speak?
0: Uh, I think we covered it pretty pretty much. I mean, I, I'm interested in, in in also in Snyder. I know they're kind of another yep. one of your friends. teams. Yep. I'm interested to see. Uh, what, with Westwood, the former you know, state champion quarterback yep. at Muleshoe, mm-hmm. uh, coming into Snyder and, and leading those guys, you know, they lost a really good senior class, but he's a really excitable coach, and I, and I think they've got a lot of excitement uh, in Snyder, and I think they'll be, they'll be a little bit better than people think just because of, of Wood and, and his ability to really run an offense. He was a very successful offensive coordinator at AZEL.
1: Yeah, I know one of the things he told us is once he finds a quarterback, he feels like he's got the uh, the, the playmakers to kind of get the ball to. It's just a matter of getting that quarterback right now, so that's kind of what he's oh, yeah. working on before the season starts, but again, Matt, I appreciate the time, man. We're at the 24-minute mark. I don't want to take any more of your time because I know you're a busy man. you got to get your text going with all the other coaches that you talk to around the state, but we appreciate the time and uh, once again, that was Matt Step of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Appreciate the time, but uh, any parting words for our listeners here in Lubbock
0: not you know enjoy football season and get out to a stadium on August 30th and 31st and uh, go watch a game
1: appreciate you man and we will talk to you soon especially once the football season starts if you want to follow Matt Stepp you can follow him at M-A-T-T underscore S-T-E-P-P-817 that is how you follow Matt Stepp the Dave Campbell's Texas football insider on Twitter once again we appreciate him joining us on the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Brought to you by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. I'm Carlos Silva. We'll talk to you next week.